everybody. Welcome to the Echo Leadership Podcast. My name is Andy Wood, and we are so thrilled that you are here joining us today. Thanks for being a part of the greater Echo Leadership Tribe. We have business leaders, entrepreneurs, church leaders. Most of our leaders are joining us from the Bay Area, but we also have leaders all over the country and all over the world. And we want to say thanks to those of you who are sharing this content with others, those of you who have subscribed, those of you who are getting the word out. Our goal is to help leaders get better. So every time we're together, we want to help you get a little bit better. We're going to have a fantastic conversation with Sue Warnke. She's an executive at Salesforce. Not only is she an executive there, but within Salesforce, she started an organization called Faith Force. It began as a prayer meeting. It grew, it blossomed. And she has a lot on her plate from being executive to nonprofit work. She does a lot of speaking. She speaks for churches to help them integrate faith with their work and how Christians or followers of Jesus can be um, wise with their words and lead in such a way that doesn't unnecessarily push people away from the message of Jesus. More than just that, she has so much wisdom to offer us. And so in this conversation, we're going to talk about how she makes decisions. We're going to talk about how she cuts things out of her life that are not helping her, the toxic stuff that doesn't help her accomplish the vision that she has in her heart. It's going to be a great episode. I want to encourage you, listen in, take some notes, and I believe that you're going to be blessed. You're going to get better through this episode with Sue Warnke. I'm here today with Sue Wernke, and it is a privilege to learn from you. Thank you so much for making this time available to invest in us as leaders. Thanks. I'm happy to be here, Andy. And Sue, tell us a little bit about yourself and what your role is. I know you work for Salesforce, and you got a lot of other things going on as well. Yeah, so I'm a technology documentation leader at Salesforce. I've been in the tech industry for about 20 years. I lead teams of writers and engineers there. I was also part of the team that founded FaithForce, which is Salesforce's Faith Diversity ERG. And I uh, do workshops and speak around the country about faith inclusion. That's awesome. And um, one of the things I know that you have been kind of piloting and you've put out there is is a, a podcast or a blog that you call leadership.org. And we had some great conversations about the difference between leadership and leadership. And I'd love for you to unpack that a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, leadership, we we know is sort of charging ahead, making decisions, driving results. And, you know, I, I ended up converting to Christianity, much to my surprise, about four years ago. And one of the biggest things that I learned is that you can lean on something bigger than yourself, that you don't have to be actually driving everything. So I, you know, most of my philosophy is is, is geared around that, that you can lean not only on the support of something bigger than yourself, but on the direction. So that's what leadership is about. That's great. And there's a lot of articles there, even some videos of some teaching that you've done. And one of the cool things it seems like has happened is you're helping churches and organizations bridge faith and the workforce. And talk a little bit about that, like what you're doing there. Yeah. I mean, you know, the reality of what it's like in the workforce to be a person of faith, to be somebody exploring faith even, is different sometimes than what we learn at church. And so what I do is I work with with folks to just convey what the kind of day-to-day reality is and how you can integrate faith into that environment. That's incredible. Well, today I'm excited to talk with you about this concept that you've put together. It's the four T's that you use to prioritize your time. Um, And I found them to be really helpful as I was kind of reading and processing through this. So I'd love to dive in and start and talk through the four buckets. I know that you kind of put this in a 
um, almost like four boxes that you would describe. So let's start just kind of with a general idea of how you use these four T's to prioritize your time. Sure. So as I mentioned, I'm in the software industry. So when we're building software and fixing software, we bucket all work into four priorities, P1, 2, 3, and 4. And we almost never get to the threes and fours. And that's a good thing, we think, because you know, you've got a limited amount of time. What should you focus on? You should focus on the things that are going to have the biggest business impact, the best results for customers. And that gets us to innovate a lot more. So I apply that to my life as well. I think everything that confronts us in our life can be bucketed into P1, P2, P3, P4 P for priority. And I try to only do the P1s and 2s because there's problems with the 3s and 4s, which we'll get into. But I call those categories the four T's. So priority one is true. So these are things that are, you know, really aligned with your values. You have to do them. That's your purpose in life. Two is, is tough, which is the, the things that are hard to do, but you can't delegate them. You need to do them. You may not love them, but you need to do them. Uh, three is tempting, which are a lot of the things that we do that maybe we shouldn't do. Um, and then four is toxic, which are the things that you have to urgently get out of your life. Yeah, that's good. So talk about how you, with the first category, the true, how you've created that. And I know that that takes both your personal life and your business, like your organizational work and pulled that together. Like, was that a, I don't know, retreat you went on, or is this something that just kind of like emerged for you over time? How did you get conviction around that first priority? Yeah. Um, a lot of it is through prayer, honestly. You know, I think before I had prayer in my life, I would be a little scattered. I'd be just like charge into the day and and assume all sorts of priorities. But now with prayer, I do spend a lot of time in the morning, at least, you know, an hour, half an hour to an hour, reflecting on the day, reflecting on my values. Um, all of the, the items in true are based on my core values. And it, what comes to light is what I should focus on. So a lot of it comes through prayer. But even without prayer, I think you can start with identifying your core values. And you can use all sorts of programs to do like a, a value assessment. But for me, that would be my faith, my family. And then I love transformation. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm on, on this earth to help kind of bring a voice to people that don't have a voice. Mm, that's good. So what is what does that look like for you when you kind of take that and you boil it down to every week, like how do you discern that in your day, your schedule, your meetings? How, how's that playing out for you? So, you know, it might come down to if my, in the old days, my daughter had a tennis match. We don't do that with COVID, but, yeah. you know, that would be a P1. That would clearly be a P1 and I would know it because it matches with my family value. Um, not everything in ministry matches to P1, but certain things do. So prayer for me is always a P1 and that aligns with my faith value. Um, transformation. So if somebody reaches out, to, people reach out to me from different companies and say, hey, I'm thinking of starting a faith group at my company or, hey, I'm facing this uh, discrimination or conflict at my company. Can I talk to you? That often becomes a P1. Because I align it with that transformation value and that purpose that I feel that I'm here for. Um, And then certain things don't. And then I kind of push them away. But I do try to make time in a structured way for those P1s. That's great. Do you set priorities on a weekly basis with your work? Like a couple top priorities? 
Well, we, we have some really cool prioritization tools at Salesforce. We call it our V2 mom. You can Google that. Um, it's, it's a kind of industry tool for planning. And what that does is it gets us aligned on our priorities. I mean, on a weekly, on a daily, on a monthly basis. So we've got mm-hmm. those tools. So I do know generally, like, what are the big ticket items that I'm accountable for in a given week? That's good. So how, let's let's come to that second bucket, the tough. Um, have you ever heard the concept of eat the frog? Um, yes. It's like an old Brian Tracy <laughs> phrase. It seems a little bit like this is kind of a similar concept that there are just some things that you you have to get done. Talk about what that looks like for you. Like, what are what are some of the proverbial like change the diaper? Like, my wife and I we've talked about this having three kids. Like, somebody's got to change the diaper. What are some of those things that you you feel like fall in that group that that category that you can't just delegate to other people? Yeah, unfortunately, exercise <laughs> would be. <laughs> kind of an obvious one. Uh, and I have three kids as well. Mine are teenagers now, but um, I know there's all sorts of family tasks that you can't right. delegate. You can't delegate time with your kids. You can't delegate that type of thing. At, on the work front, I would I would put learning in that category. There's reorganizations all the time. There's new projects all of the time. And it's pretty intense, you know, um, being assigned to a brand new, really complicated technical project is overwhelming. Yeah. And I wish I could just take a pill and learn it all, but I have to go through that hard work of analysis and listening and all of that to really understand that product. So that's that's the type of stuff that falls under tough. I don't want to do them. Um, often, but I know yeah. that I have to, and I can't delegate them and I shouldn't delegate them. That's good. So what, it, what is the, um, like how do, how does email and scheduling, are you, do you delegate most of your email or do you do it personally? How do oh, you I wish. No. <laughs> um, a lot of that is just accepting what I don't need to pay attention to. So that's mm-hmm. a bit of my value system in a way is that, you know, I should only focus on my top priorities. And so really that's probably 10% of the noise that comes at us. So I, mm-hmm. I'm really good at, at forgiving myself. So every morning I'll say, you know, I forgive you for all of the, the, the mistakes you're about to make, all of the emails you're about to not answer, all of the people that might be frustrated with you. You know, I go in with that mindset that that I'm really not going to um, finish everything. And yeah. so I don't have a huge conflict about that, but I have um, good communication with folks. Like this is what I will respond to. And this is, you know, probably what I won't respond yeah. to. That's great. And I love, I love how you kind of pulled in expectation. Like there are just, you cannot meet everybody's expectations there. There will always be people that are disappointed if you're leading. And so it's like the the prioritization when the first things are first and they're right, it changes everything. And you mentioned a little bit of like what you do in the morning. I know that you, you had shared with me before that you have a morning routine that you kind of walk through. Can you share a little bit of that? Like some helpful tips for the first thing in the day that you feel like help you get in the right frame of mind for work, for family and yeah. productivity? Yeah, I like to break things down, right? Because when I wake up, I'm I'm kind of lost. What am I supposed to focus on? So one of the things that I do is I go through the Lord's Prayer, and um, there, you know, I do several things throughout that. But the most important piece of it is when I say, you know, give us this day our daily bread. That to me is really important. I sort of imagine like if I could ask for one thing, if I could ask for help in one area of my life today, um, what would it be? 
And it forces me, I know God will give us many things. It's not that we have to restrict ourselves to one, but doing that exercise of, you know, if I had one piece of manna today, what would that be? And often it's, um, today it was this, honestly, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, let, let me speak the right words. Mm -hmm. Uh, but sometimes it's, it's handling a conflict. Often it's handling a conflict, you know, things that are just beyond me Mm -hmm. that I just can't fix on my own. Um, then I say, you know, oh, that, and it always comes to me because I take that time and it doesn't take long, but what is my daily bread? And I, I sometimes look at my calendar and I will um, very quickly see what is that one thing that I need help mm. with. And it really centers me. And I, it also lifts a huge burden off of my shoulders because, oh yeah, leaning, I'm not leading, I'm leaning, I'm, I'm in this. And by the way, what I'll say to all of this is these are the best practices and probably 75% of the time yeah. or 90 or 99, I fall short. Right. So, you know, on a good day, I should say I'm following this and it's, it's my goal and it's, the days go much better with that. Yeah. I think the other thing too, is like with the the concept of a, the best practices is like, we all have a tendency to fall off the horse. Like we drift. And if you know where you're coming back to, it makes it a lot easier to come back. Cause I find like, you know, even Stacy and I have jokes. Sometimes you go on vacation and you like, you're doing great until you get on vacation. You come back and you're like, oh, it's three months later. I, I never like got back in after vacation. And I think that that routine, those, those habits, when you have the ideal, it's like, it's so much easier to bring it back to what, it, what the baseline is. Um, one other thing that we had talked about is the prayer of Jabez. Um, and I love that you shared that because I also prayed that prayer and I'd love for you just to talk about that. Cause I think that there's a, there is a real significance to this particular prayer. Yes. Yeah. So I learned about Jabez early on after I, um, became a Christian and he's this little character in the book of Chronicles. You'd almost skip over it. Right. Um, and, and he's in this big list of names, uh, as you know, and, um, the one thing he does that's very different is he pray, prays, he asks for something and it's huge. He, what he asks for is huge actually. So, after I go through the Lord's prayer, then I pray the prayer of Jabez, which my version of it says, um, Lord, bless me indeed, expand my territory, keep evil from me that I may feel no pain and do no harm. May your hand be on me. Mm. And those are all like huge things. Like bless me indeed, not just yeah. bless me. Um, you know, may your hand be on me. Like, wow. Like today your the hand of God <laughs> could be on me. Wow. Could be directing me. That's incredible. And we can ask for that. That's so cool. Um, and then just that feeling of protection, yeah. you know, he'll protect us anyway, but just to, to say it, you know, give it, I feel like a force field, like comes up around my whole home and my family and my mm. work and everything. And it's, it's just an incredibly peaceful prayer for me. That's really good. I, I think, you know, when I look back on our journey as a church and the role that God has given to me as a pastor, I can see so many things that God has done in conjunction with that prayer doors he's opened ways he's blessed us and it's it's just so simple and practical i think sometimes regardless of what you know a person's faith background is sometimes we all come to the conversation about god with these beliefs about what god is really like and the thing i love about the prayer of jabez is it's a reminder for my heart that god is a god is a good god that wants to bless our lives and sometimes it's a matter of us actually asking for his blessing and his favor and he gives it to us yeah. And so um, I love that. I, I would love to transition to the third category, yes. um, which is tempting. And I'd love for you to talk about like, what are the things that tempt, like 
are on that tempting bucket for you that you wish you could do more of, but you, you have to say no to. Yeah. So what, uh, what I'll say also is, is the time breakdown, my ideal time breakdown of these different quadrants is I'd like to spend 75% of my time on the P1s, 20% on the P2s. And then I give myself a little leeway with the P3s, maybe 5%, only because the P3s are so hard, so tempting. So I would say tempting in a bad way, actually, not in a good way. It's not that I wish I could do more of this. It's Mm -hmm. that these are the influences of the world that are calling me that I need to put up a wall against, Mm -hmm. but they're not toxic. They're just temptations. Often they come in the form of two things. One is people pleasing. Mm -hmm. So what are the things that come to me that other people want me to do, but really are not mine? I shouldn't do them. And I'll give examples. And then the other things are um, ways that we medicate ourselves. Mm -hmm. So whatever that is, whether that's alcohol or, you know, too too much food or whatever your temptation is that you need to be careful of, those are those things too. But in the first bucket of people pleasing, I'm a huge people pleaser. I mean, it's something I fight against all, all of my life. And now that I've gotten into more ministry activities, there's a lot of people that come to me and want mm-hmm. me to do a podcast or do a blog or come speak. And I have, I'm always tempted to say yes. Mm-hmm. And then I have to ask myself, why am I saying yes? Am I saying yes because I want the visibility or I like the, the kudos that I like the attention? Mm-hmm. Often, yeah, often it is that. And so I have to just ask myself, what is the cause? Is this a people-pleasing thing? Um, and if it is, if it truly is, and it's not something that I feel called to do, mm-hmm. or it maybe conflicts with my values, it might be a different angle that I don't align with then I need to say no to that. And that's hard to do. Um, On the self-medication front, it's probably eating, just being too lazy. You know, those things will derail the P1s and P2s, right? So those are those things. That's really good. And I like like how you broke down a good thing. um, And then you kind of gave that extra layer to it because sometimes we can just immediately jump to something that's good and not realize that the motivation behind doing the good thing is off. And um, it reminds me, we have a phrase here we use in our culture. It says, if we do the right thing for the right reason, for the right length of time, you get the right result. And it's mm-hmm. easy, I think, a lot of times to do the right thing for the wrong reason. And it produces a, a harvest in our lives that eventually can become toxic. And um, even I like how you broke down your your own personal journey with that, because probably for all of us, based on our own wiring, that temptation could be a little bit different. You know, like I, I find myself, one of my temptations is distracting myself on my phone. Like I, I love a really clean inbox. And there's something I, I find myself, even like at times when I'm at home with my kids and they're fighting with each other, I'm tempted to pick up my phone and clear text messages and emails <laughs> because it's like, here's a good thing that I should do during the workday, but it's a temptation. I wonder if there's anything like for you that is, so the the way I was processing this, but I, I maybe I'm not, um, now that you talked about the bad side of a good thing, do you ever find like in a, in a company, like for an entrepreneur or somebody who's innovation, innovative, sometimes the things that we eventually pursue start as a distraction. Like mm-hmm. it's like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder how do you discern if something is like has 
eventually could become a P1, P2, but right now it's P3 mm-hmm. and it's a little tempting. Do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, those things that that don't fall under the plan, you know, that just yeah. come in at you and you might be tempted to do them. I think if you're tempted, that could be a, a, a P1, you know, that could be God or whoever you believe, you know, directing you in that path. Like, go see what this problem is all about. Go tinker over here. Um, So that's where prayer for me would come into place. You know, I'd say like, is this a distraction or is this, oh, this is actually my purpose. Oh my gosh. You know? Yeah. Um, And then it's clearly a P1 and, and I do do most of my innovation. Most of my experimentation is in that P1 bucket, because if you, if it's not, you're not going to make time for it. Yeah. You know, when, when a problem falls in my lap, um, an example is, we're working to make our, our language at Salesforce more inclusive in our products. So identifying terms that are maybe not non-inclusive, that are more kind of industry standard. How do we fix those? It's a huge problem. And that was, was raised in the middle of the year last year. And, and we were like, who's going to own this? Who's going to step up? Um, I was really tempted to step up. And I had to ask myself, is that because I want to be seen as this inclusivity leader? Or is it because I want to solve the problem? And I just kind of sat with it and prayed about it and decided to throw my hat in the ring and, and lead that problem. And that, that required a lot of innovation. So I think that's often the hand of God, in my view, uh, yeah. leading you toward innovation. But I, the way you can check that, you know, but beyond prayer, would be what problem are you solving? Is this mm. an actual problem? Yeah. You know, often we'll say like, oh, I'm going to create this great website or I'm going to teach this class or I'm going to put a workshop together, but there's no need for right. it. You know, yeah. there's like 800 other <laughs> workshops just like that out there. And we want to solve it because we are interested in it. But I, I say, go start with the problem, start with the market need mm-hmm. and, and, and then invest in time. But yeah, I probably 25% of my time, I try to reserve for innovation and experimentation. That's great. How much of your schedule would you say you on a typical week would make white space, like where there's just nothing there? We luckily at Salesforce, we have something called no interruption Thursdays, which is ah, like that's the a best great. thing ever. Yeah. And we block our calendars Thursday and uh, sometimes it gets overridden, but we take that really seriously. Wellness is a top value for all employees at Salesforce. So I try to block that time off. And then the weekends, I i mean, I almost never schedule something on the weekends. And then when I do get those requests of my time from other companies, um, I'm really strict about, I can meet from eight to 8.30, you know, most days yeah. of the week, um, but I almost never let it come into my day. So I have some rules. That's good. That's really good. I like that, that Thursday rule as well. It's um, so in those days, there should be no Zooms, media, or no video conferences or right. meetings. It's like deep work type stuff. Yeah, it's whatever yeah. it is. Often it's light work, it's all the like annoying to do's yeah. that you never got to during the week. Sometimes it's, it's hard work, but I often sometimes do that on the weekends, even when I need to do more thinking. But yeah, I do try to try to reserve that time. That's awesome. I'd love to um, kind of wrap up the and go to the fourth and final bucket because that has a some huge ramifications to it. The bucket of things that are toxic. Yeah, so tell the, us about that. 
The one other thing I want to say about tempting is this is where a lot of self-forgiveness comes into play because it's very, very, very hard to say no to something that's tempting. And so uh, you will mess up and you will say yes to those all of the time. And then you definitely should be forgiving ourselves and just applauding any baby step that we can take toward that. That's really um, good. Toxic for me, in my life, it comes in the form of people often. So um, someone that's narcissistic, that's manipulative, whether that's someone at work, frankly, or, um, you know, someone even in ministry, someone in my personal life, they seem to, they keep popping up, you know, and I think they always will, um, for whatever reason. And I used to, uh, be more of a people pleaser with that. And then I learned some techniques over the past few years, um, how to identify that type of kind of personality Mm-hmm. that probably has some issues that, you know, is, is, is bringing those issues into my life. So identifying that and then um, using a, a particular technique I have called the bounce back to push it out of my life, but just not even letting it get a foothold. Mm-hmm. So, so it could be a person, it could be a program that just got dumped on you that uh, you just accepted, you know, went from tempting and now it's become toxic because mm-hmm. it's, you know, infecting your day, it's infecting your family time, it's the wrong project, there's no need for it. It's, you know, maybe it's there to compete with another project. So it's usually people or projects that you've that's, accepted and you shouldn't have. That's good. Have you ever um, read the book Necessary Endings by Henry Cloud? Mm-mm. It's uh, it's about this and he he unpacks a lot of the, I think you'd find it really interesting, but it it is an, essentially how do you some things in life are supposed to end and yeah. uh, when there's when there's death there's new life and sometimes you don't realize a relationship is toxic or a project is toxic until you until you get in yeah. and i think um being willing to make the tough decisions to like okay i need to change i need to draw boundaries um how do you discern initially if it's a relationship that you just have to draw boundaries versus like, this is a toxic situation I'm in. Yeah. Good question. Because a lot of people might be thinking, well, I have somebody toxic in my life, but they happen to be a really close family member. Might be a parent, might be a child. Um, You can't just, you know, it's not that easy. So I think when it, when it's that type of situation, then it is more about drawing boundaries, you know, like once that argument starts, just say, I'm not going to engage. Um, and, and sticking to that, uh, maybe not answering the phone, maybe not calling them back, maybe deciding like, I'm only going to call this person back on Saturday in the afternoon when I'm ready, when mm-hmm. I'm good and ready, you know? Um, and, and one of the biggest things on, on drawing those boundaries is pushing back mm-hmm. every time it happens, every time they violate a um, boundary for you is calling them out on it. Mm-hmm. There's really, I, that's the most efficient way to fix it in my experience is saying, you know, you just rolled your eyes at me. Yeah. And you call out an, uh, something that you observe, you know, you yeah. just interrupted me. Um, and if, you know, my expectation is that you won't interrupt me. Mm-hmm. That's really good. You know, so I try to, so I do that. And then, um, but it, if it is, somebody in your life that you don't have to deal with in that way, it's unlikely to get better. Right. I like to think of it really as a cancer, as something Mm -hmm. that will be toxic in your life. And once it gets a foothold, as we all know, it can actually derail everything. Yeah. uh, That bad relationship. 
right? Can derail certainly your P3s, your P2s, your P1s, where you're spending 75% of your life in the in the P4, in the toxic, and very little in your purpose, very yeah. little in those kind of healthy habits that we need to do to stay well. That's really good. I one one other thing I would add to that is I think once you've walked through a toxic situation, there has to be on the back end um, some time to like process and Mm -hmm. say, okay, what did I what did I learn, and how do I not let what I walk through attach to me? Because I think what I've experienced is if I don't close things and even sometimes go see a counselor, Mm -hmm. get therapy, get help you know, bitterness or fear or, you know, a lot of different emotions can get attached to us. And then we start leading from wounds and future relationships. And I just think there, there's so much wisdom to what you're saying here um, and getting out of that as quick as possible. So um, I know that we're pretty much running out of time here. I'm so grateful for you investing in us today. I'd love for you to just to briefly share where can people go to get more information about you, to learn some of the resources you have. And even I know that there are some churches that maybe would love to have access to some of the trainings that you've already done that are online. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Uh, It's been great to be here. The place to find me would be leanership.org. So that's with an N instead of a a D. And I've got all of the materials there and you can reach out to me there. You can also ping me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to make new connections. Awesome. And some of your story is there on your site. Is that correct? And kind of your journey to follow Jesus and all of that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm happy to share that with anyone who wants to hear it. But um, the the 10 second version is, you know, I grew up um, pretty anti-religious in a really religious environment and I was very anti-religious and then, um, you know, pursued a lot of other forms of success and and had a lot of success. You have a great family, great job, Um, but I was really missing something in my life and pursued other things to solve it. But luckily many things happened to kind of lead me to one place. And that was about four years ago um, when I ended up uh, converting to Christianity. That's awesome. And I, one of the things I love about you, your story and your journey is how you're integrating your faith into the workplace in a way that is not judgmental. It's not drawing walls. It's more building bridges. And so thank you so much for being a good example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in, in the workforce and making a difference with your life. And thank you so much for investing in us today. It's been a huge blessing. I've learned a ton. I look forward to going back through and writing more notes down and capturing what we've talked about today. It's been a great time together. Thank you, Sue. Thanks for having me. Wow, there was so much wisdom in that conversation. Thank you, Sue, for investing in us, helping us get better as leaders. I hope for you, you were stirred and challenged by that conversation. I know for me that there are times when there are toxic people and areas of my life that I need to make tough decisions. I want to encourage you right now to pull out a pen and a piece of paper and let's apply what we've learned today. Perhaps even write down some things that you can do, steps you can take this week in response to this great conversation that we just had together. Now, again, if you haven't subscribed, we want to encourage you to do that. Like and share this content. I believe it can help you. It can help the leaders on your team. Let's continue to get better as leaders. When we get better as leaders, Everything around us wins, our team wins, our organization wins, and that's why we are so committed to continue to help you. So if we can help in any way, you get the ball down the field, we want to do that. Again, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Echo Leadership Podcast.